Hello, hello. Welcome to the Natural Misconceptions Podcast. My name is Stephanie Mora, and I'm here to highlight all the misconceptions that we hold about life, culture, natural family planning, and fertility. I'm here to ask family, friends, and experts to help me uncover and debunk common myths, misunderstandings, and misconceptions. So get ready to learn and laugh while we pull back the veil, because on this podcast, there's no such thing as TMI. Hello, hello, and welcome to the newest episode of the Natural Misconceptions podcast. Um, I'm so excited, like extra excited. I've had guests before, but this is a particularly special person to me, uh, Miss Mary Lenneberg. She is my um, fearless, bold leader through Beauty Counter. Um, she's been an awesome mentor for me since November, um, and I'm sure probably for you as well through Instagram or any other format that you follow her. So Mary, I'll let you go ahead and take the reins and kind of introduce yourself and give some of your background and your current projects. Thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. It is such an honor to be with you today. Um, so I'm Mary Lenneberg. I'm a wife of 33 years. I'm a mom to four souls. Two, I did not get to hold this side of heaven, but two, I did. My son, Jonathan, is going to be 32 this year and getting married in October. And my daughter, Courtney, um, was this side of heaven for 22 years. She had profound special needs and um, cerebral palsy and was non-ambulatory and um, non-verbal, but she was the heart of our home. So she went home to the Lord almost, I guess it's six and a half years ago um, at the time of this recording. Uh, let me see. I've written two books, Be Bold in the Broken, which is my new book that came out in March, all about finding your voice and purpose in life. And Be Brave and the Scared came out. It's an award-winning book, came out two years ago. And it's all about how I um, faced a lot of difficulty and challenges in my marriage and with our children um, growing up and just dealing with all sorts of interesting situations. I'm also an ex uh, a senior director with Beauty Counter, which is how I came to know you. And, uh, you know, I'm a life coach and mentor and youth ministry volunteer. There's not a whole lot I haven't done in my life, but um, yeah, there you go. Absolutely. So many hats. Like I can't even count all the hats. Um, but I do know, like, I, I feel like even though you've been a mentor to me since November, I've gotten to know you even better because of having the opportunity to read both of your books. Well, I say I read the newest one and I got to listen to your audio um, reading to me of the first one. And I've loved, I've loved it. Both of them. I I'll, as I'm in the middle of it, I'm like, crap, now I have to grow as a person. Um, <laughs> so thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm here to support you in any way. <laughs> Challenge you. Yes, definitely. And, um, you know, I love the language that you use frequently of being bold, being bold in the broken, in fact, is the title. Um, because yeah, that's not really something I've, I thought about until um, meeting you and it's definitely helped me. And in fact, I don't know if you know this, I don't know if I've said this to you explicitly, but part of the reason why I finally got uh, brave enough to launch this podcast was, was after reading um, your book. So oh, uh, a lot awesome. of thanks to you. So awesome. Well, I'm so glad, you know, it's interesting. It's just, uh, I, I spent a lot of my young life in fear and uh, fear of so many different scenarios and it kind of fear is just not of God. It just, it's not supposed to be a part of our life. Um, other than, you know, the train is coming and you have to jump out of the way kind of fear. That's a good fear, but just <laughs> yeah. fear of like doing things of, of trying things. Um, 
I spent, you know, much of my high school and college just being afraid to breathe. And, um, and then I came into young married life and, you know, faced a lot of challenges with our children. And my husband was active duty Navy and he deployed four times. And I just kind of came to a place over time where it was like, you know, if I'm going to live the life that I think God has for me, then I have to be courageous and I have to really, um, have faith that he is God and I am not and step into the purpose that he has for me. And, you know, it took me a couple of decades, but I got there and uh, it's a really great place to be. Absolutely. Which I, you know, um, which I'm grateful um, for your books again, just because hopefully I can learn the lesson without the couple of decades part. (laughs) That would be Um, good. But I just recall like, you know, reading some of the, the ways that you describe the way you would think about the challenging things that came up in your life. Um, like, oh, I, I have that exact same thought process about this difficult thing in my life. Um, so it's like, okay, Stephanie, like you can do the hard thing. It isn't about the way you feel about the situation. Just do the thing because God is asking you to do the thing. So just do the thing and then you'll get the graces or, you know, someone else will glean from it or, you know, because it's really not about you. Yeah. See, and that's the key right there. So there's a couple of things in what you just said. Number one, our life is not about us. I know that sounds insane, especially with the culture that we have today. Uh, People will hear this and be like, what do you mean? My life is not about me. It's all about me. No, actually it's all about service. It's about service to one another. Um, You know, and so God has placed a, a mission and a purpose on each of our hearts. And it's so, it's as unique as we are. So nobody, even if somebody says, go write a book and you're going to be like, no, but everybody else is writing a book. I shouldn't write a book. No, it's going to be your book. It's going to be a totally unique experience based on your experiences and your voice. So go write the book. Um, the other thing you, you talked about was like, you know, you can do hard things. Yeah, you can do hard things. You got to remember that, um, you know, uh, thought leads, emotion leads action. So our emotions are not the boss of us. We actually get to tell them what to do. We actually get to direct them in a way that is helpful to us. And some days when we have our emotions that just kind of go wacky and they kind of take us over and we're, you know, have our face stuffed into the double stuff Oreos so that I <laughs> we're just like done, you know, at that moment, it's like you can either weaponize your emotions and use them against you. So like, I'm a failure. I suck. I can't do this, blah, 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 blah. Or you can just, you know, wipe off your face, wash your hands, put the ice cream away and say, okay, enough of that. Like, all right. I acknowledge the big feel. This is really hard. This is a hard, hard thing. I don't know if I can do it. Um, It brings to mind this beautiful quote by uh, St. Francis de Sales, which I will butcher, but basically he said, if God brought you to this moment, then he's going to give you the grace to walk through this moment. He's going to give you the grace exactly when you need it to face the hard thing. And what I learned over the course of my life, especially in caring for my daughter, Courtney, is that there were hard things every day. Simple things were the hardest, you know, and I had to choose to love her, choose to love myself, choose to love my family um, and just keep going. And and it's just it's difficult when you are in constant crisis. So but, you know, again, God is God. I am not. And he's going to give me what I need exactly when I need it. He loves those cliffhangers. He wants to watch you come right to the edge of the cliff, hang on it. And then he's like, you ready for me to help you? And you're like, yes, please. Now it'd be good. And he shows up. It's hilarious. And the way that you said that, um, 
like, okay, are you ready for me to help you? I have to do that with my almost three-year-old all the time. He's like, no, Paul do it. Paul do it. He wants to put on his own suits. He wants to zip his own jacket, but he's really not very good at those things. And so he'll sit there to the point of frustration. He's almost in tears because he can't do the hard thing. I'm like, friend, I'm here for you. When you need my help, just let me know. And I would love to help you, but I will let you try on your own as many times as you feel is necessary. So is it that? It's exactly how we're supposed to come to God, just like children, right? Wow. But we're stubborn, just like children. And it's like, Absolutely. I really need this hard. I need help doing this hard thing, Lord, but I don't know how to receive your help. Yeah. Like I should, I feel like I should be, our pride gets in the way. I should be strong enough for this. I should be smart enough for, for this. I should be able to do it. I shouldn't have to rely on God. But see, the thing is, is we're thinking about it completely wrong. It is the whole purpose of our life is to rely on him. He, he made us in love and for love. And when we come to the end of ourselves, when we come to that place where we're like, okay, I just can't do it anymore. That's like, he's up there like, thank you. All right, here we go. Now, let me help you, you know? Yes. And, and then all the more beauty coming from whatever that challenge was because we let his graces work through it instead of just my own Oh, stubbornness. And, yes. yes. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We are a stubborn and stiff necked people, just like the Israelites walking in a 40 mile circle for 40 years. We are just know, like, and I think, I think in, in reading, reflecting on the scriptures and they're like, well, why were they, they so dumb? Like if they had just done this, that, and the other, they could have just gotten to where they were going and, you know, because they were they were just years. as stubborn as we are. Ask exactly. Yourself, it's a question I ask myself every morning. Like Mary, come on now. It's, a, <laughs> it's his whole job. His whole his whole being was meant to love me and and to help me and to help me do the job he sent me here to do. So why am I fighting it so hard? Yeah. You know, and that, again, that's where that sin of pride and lack of humility come in because we think that we're all that in a bag of chips and we can do it. Yeah, and we can't. And I think so. And, and to relate it more to exactly what this podcast is all about, natural misconceptions, learning about natural family planning really is all kind of integrated into that because I feel like so frequently we take this um, this idea that we are in charge of all the things, and so either we can like you know take hormonal birth control for example, or some other. Um, perhaps even more brash decision to say, I'm in control. I get to decide all the components of, you know, my family life. And, and we just have this stubborn, stubborn stretch to who we are and like trying to take control of all the things. Oh yeah. See, my NFP journey is very, very different than many. Um, I was put on hormonal birth control when I was 14 and this was at a time now, mind you, I was in high school in the eighties. So I date myself at a time when we didn't know about PCOS or any of that, which is what I have. And so my mom was trying to, you know, do the best she could uh, with the limited information she had. She went and talked to a priest. The priest is like, she's not sexually active. It's for medical purposes. Yes, you can do it. And so I, I did, I was on it from the time I was 14 to the time I was 21. And um, it did a lot of damage in my body, which we found later. But um, I came into a marriage married to a man who didn't want a large family. 
And so we continued to use it. I wasn't a very good Catholic at the time, wasn't a very good Christian. And, um, and then we, I went off it. We had our son. I went back on it. I went off it. We had a miscarriage and then we had our daughter. And then out of fear, when I was 25 years old, because I had very difficult pregnancies and I was not in a good place with the Lord, I got my tubes tied at 25. Mm-hmm. Now they consider that medical malpractice. Back in the day, they did not. And so I remember meeting my first pro-life practitioner when I was 32 years old, Dr. John. And he looked at my record and he said, why did they do this? Why didn't you just go back on birth control? And I'm like, well, they told me, you know, X, Y, Z, all of these things were happening. And he goes, yeah, that was a misdiagnosis. And so I made a decision out of fear because I wanted to control what was going to happen to my life. And I can tell you that when you make a decision like that and you remove God from your bedroom, bad things happen, right? Bad things happen. And so my husband and I went through a very challenging season. We write about it and be brave in the scared of addiction, me to food, him to pornography. I entered into the pornography with him where sex and this beautiful act that the Lord has given us as married couples became perverted, right? And it was all about lust and not love. And then in around 2007, a good, gosh, how many years? We were married in 1988. So like 20 years later, God shows up in the biggest way possible through our pastor. And he asks us to be marriage mentors in our, in our parish. And we were laughing hysterically because, you know, we'd done everything wrong other than divorce. We, we stayed together and, and God, by the grace of God, if you ever want to question God's existence, just look at our marriage and you know that he exists because we're together because he said so. And, um, and he asked us to be marriage mentors. And part of that marriage mentoring was to learn the symptothermal method of NFP. And we laughed and we said, we have no street cred, Father. We're going to go in and teach these couples NFP. And we've never done it a day in our life. So how can we do that? They're never going to believe us. You know, they're never going to, they're going to be like, well, you didn't do it. I don't have to do it. And, um, and so we went up to learn theology of the body with Christopher West. And that was just a life-changing experience for us, a truly pivotal moment in both of our lives. And we came out of that experience with our marriage bed renewed, blessed, restored, and with this new understanding of what our bodies were made for and the idea that God is in control and we are not. Praise God. But also we came out with an NFP understanding and we began to practice it, even though I had had my tubes tied, I had had at that point a partial hysterectomy due to fibroids. Um, so we began to practice NFP, like we would abstain for, you know, seven to 10 days a month as reparation for what we had done earlier in our marriage. Wow. And so our NFP experience, and then when we started to teach our, our couples for those three, to, I think we did it for four years. Um, the first thing Jerry would say is, I can tell you what happens when you remove God from that choice. And our story was very powerful. And, and we, gosh, we taught, I would say hundreds of couples, um, how to really kind of enter into this whole experience of letting God decide, uh, when it was time for a baby. And so, um, yeah. And, and we also took that and started talking with older couples who had had similar experiences to ours, had kind of never heard of NFP or, or had been using hormonal birth control or, or had a vasectomy or whatever. And the idea of using NFP as reparation began 
Um, and it's been a very powerful experience in our life. And, and we did it all the way through my natural menopausal time. And, um, and that it just was, it was so healing. Wow. Um, I did know a bit of that story because of, of reading your book, but I didn't ever consider that as an option essentially to, to use it restoratively despite, you know, essentially you're rendered infertile regardless with either tubes tied or a vasectomy, like you said, but to still go through the motions of it as reparation, that's just so beautiful. I hadn't ever really considered that as, as an option. Um, what, a, what a grace filled thing. I like, I don't even have really a lot to, to comment on about it because I'm just um, still processing. <laughs> it was a but, gift uh, from, it was a gift from our confessor up at, up at uh, theology of the body. He was a Franciscan. And he said, have you ever considered this? And he presented it to both of us. And he says to restore what, you know, your pride took. Um, you think of when we go to confession as Catholics, for those that are listening that are Catholic, you know, we go to confession and usually there's some sort of um, penance or something we have to do to restore that relationship with God that sin breaks. And so this is what that was. And we did that for, oh gosh, 15 years, I think, something like that. Yeah. Wow. And so, because at that point, when you started this, you said you had already, you had the uh, tubal ligation, but you had already a partial hysterectomy. Is that what you said? I did. I had my ovaries. I had had a okay. partial hysterectomy due to a softball size fibroid, hard fibroid tumor. Uh, I was in a pre-cancer situation. So, and it runs in my family, uterine and ovarian cancer. So they yeah. took my, um, my uterus at uh, 35, but I kept my ovaries, which meant um, that even though I didn't have a cervix and I didn't have a uterus, I still had the hormonal, um, surges, you know, every month. Okay. So knowing the central thermal method, I would take my temperature and, you know, I would know when I would be ovulating, even though I could not get pregnant, obviously, um, I would go ahead and we would abstain during those seven to, I had a very long luteal phase, so seven to 10 days. Um, and yeah, we did that for, and it was so interesting because in the beginning we were all oh, this is wonderful. And we were totally like committed. And then at about like, I think it was like seven or nine months into it. Jerry's just looking at me like, but we're not going to get pregnant. I'm like, no, that's not the point, but yeah. we're not, you know? And so all of those hard conversations you and your husband have to have, like, you know, is this the right time? Um, are we discerning? Are, what is the grave reason? We didn't have that. Uh, we didn't have any of that. <clears throat> Ours was simply out of obedience to wow. respect. And so it was, it was challenging. It was really challenging because yeah, there was that's a whole different kind of challenging, man. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a different mindset, you know? And then when I entered into menopause and I stopped ovulating, um, <clears throat> I went back to my spiritual director and I'm like, so if we were following this for restorative reasons, I'm, I'm in menopause. Like I'm not even ovulating anymore. And I said, do I lift that ban? And he's like, you need to pray about it. You need to go to the Lord and see what he says. And so we did. And um, because we're a little bit older in middle age, I'm 53, he's 56. We're not as active in that intimate life as we once were. So um, the Lord kind of gave us a, a, a free pass about three years ago. And, you know, we just, um, we have, we pray before we make love. We ask St. Michael and St. Mary Magdalene into our 
intimate time together. We make sure that um, <clears throat> we're in a good place mentally and emotionally because when you've dealt with an addiction to pornography, it 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 totally messes with the intimate side of your life. And it's more beautiful now than it has ever been in our married life. So um, yeah, it's been quite wow. the journey. That is so, so beautiful, Mary. I'm so grateful for you to share that because it's, I do, it is a different perspective altogether, I would say, because, you know, either a lot of, um, a lot of those who didn't have that information as a young married couple, they're just, they're past that point And they're like, well, we didn't do what we were supposed to do, but really can't do much at this point. So just move on with life, which isn't inaccurate, but to have the opportunity to have that reparation and and continue, I mean, of course, because despite the fact that um, having a new baby come into fruition won't be an option anymore, um, that doesn't negate the fact that God is very much still in your in your bedroom. Um, and so we should continue to invite him, regardless of not having the ability to have more kids. Um, Absolutely. Remember, it's a unitive act first. It's yeah. unitive and then procreative. So um, <clears throat> that unity that exists between a husband and wife. It's the most intimate thing we can do as a couple. Um, yeah. It's the way we show love for each other, especially for our husbands. It is the way they physically show us love. It is so important in how they are made by God. And so um, to me, I consider every time I make love to my husband, a gift. It is a yeah. gift I am giving him you know, whether or not um, <clears throat> it's all bells and whistles for me, shall we say, <laughs> is not, you know, always the case, as, especially as you get a little older. But I, it's so beautiful to me because it's gift. You know, it's the different between difference between love and lust. Lust is for my own pleasure. Love is for the pleasure of another, you know, and so that's the mindset we go into. I, it saddens me so much to think of the 15, 16 years that we wasted that, that we just um, desecrated that in our life. It saddens me greatly. I don't live in that space anymore because I know God has forgiven us and, and he does not want us to live in that. But it just makes me more passionate when we're mentoring young couples to, to assist them in seeing the beauty and the joy of that sacred act. And and the beauty and the joy of NFP and all the different methods of NFP, all the different ways that you can um, be open to life while still um, having that daily conversation of is today the day, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's a, such a beautiful way to build that conversation as a couple. I mean, you look at the NFP statistics, like their divorce rate is like 4%. Yeah. 4%. Why? Because you're constantly talking about it. You know, yeah. you know, sex and money. Those are the two things that people get divorced over. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you take the sex off the table, it makes it a lot, you know, a lot less. Those numbers are really quite impressive. So, yeah, it's um, I just love it. I love that it's there. I love that I see you and so many beautiful young people, you know, that are newly married in the first years of their marriage. Um, some are hyper fertile, some are regular fertile, some are infertile, but they're all, all of you guys are just in a constant conversation. And it's so beautiful because it's, it just simply did not exist 33 years ago. Yeah, I know for sure. Cause I, my, my mom actually does have somewhat of a similar story in some, in some instances. 
um she had she was precancerous as well and had to have a hysterectomy very earlier than than most would i mean i don't know if there's a certain time for it but um so essentially you know she she didn't go through menopause but she was um had that prior to when she normally would have gone through menopause Mm -hmm. but i do remember you know you talked about the beauty of of every single time a husband and wife comes together i also thankfully i'm so grateful for my mom had that message of at a young age, um, even though we didn't have knowledge of NFP, she didn't have it. And so I didn't grow up with it. Um, I remember very specifically as a teenager, she said, she told me, Stephanie, sex is so fun and so good. <laughs> it and my, is. Step- my stepdad looked at her like she had three heads because <laughs> I cannot believe that you were telling your teenage daughter that sex is fun. That's not okay. You know, and she continued to say, like, with your husband, can mm-hmm. I just tell you, like, with your husband, and that's what makes it so irrepeatable and just, you know, all these other synonyms to that. Like, it just, there's no words to explain the, the beauty that comes from this act with your husband. And that was very deeply ingrained for me. And I'm grateful for her saying that, you know, because it, she did. She learned the lesson um, and, and had to teach me in a different way growing up. So I think just having more um, conversations about it in families as, as kids are growing, because I know that that conversation was not held in her household growing up. Oh, no, um, no. So, <laughs> no, you know, she sex was 11, happened. Yeah, right. I, never, I was one of eight kids, eight kids in 10 years on purpose. My parents wanted a large family and they didn't want you know, to wait. And so they got married and had eight kids in 10 years. And, um, when I was growing up, sex was taboo. Like, you know, I, I went to a Catholic school. Um, the, the nuns, you touch yourself in any way you go blind. Literally. That's what I was told. Now I'm not saying that's not a bad thing to tell someone. I'm just saying that's misinformative. Let's that's misinformation. So it was always bad. It was dirty. It was, it was not good. Um, And then marriage was to have babies, you know, that's what I was told. And so as Mm -hmm. I began to learn all about theology of the body and all about what, you know, our sexuality is for and how beautiful it is and how complementary it is between us and our husbands, my husband and I were not chased before we got married. Um, And that, you know, it started, that was the beginning of the door opening, you know, to all the negativity and all the nastiness. And so... Um, we were able to bring our knowledge and our woundedness to a place with our son where we can, you know, I think he was 16 or 17, where we had that conversation. You know, he knew we got pregnant before we got married and we lost that baby. He knew that. He knew of his dad's addiction to pornography and that his dad has been talking to him since he was like 10 about how to treat a woman and how to not look at certain images and how to protect yourself with your phone and all of that, right? So we are now able looking at our son at the age of, you know, he's 32 in November. He'll be married October. His first kiss was at 31 to the woman he's going to marry. That's beautiful. That's just, I look at that and I'm like, that's a miracle. Now, is is that a judgment on anybody else? No, because I would be judging myself and my own past. But we were able to have those very frank conversations and now he's engaged. And so we're having different conversations about, you know, NFP and what method they, you know, 
they're using or, or they want to use. And, and just, you know, this idea of we're here for you. If you have a question, um, there's nothing that you can't ask us. Don't be embarrassed. You know, um, if, you know, his fiance is like, can I ask you a question? You know, Jonathan and his dad, dad, can we have a conversation? It's just building different types of friendships. We want them to know that we support them 100 million percent and that we're here for them because we, I mean, I love my parents and I, I love them fiercely, but that's not how it went with us. And we just want yeah. to make sure that, and it's not just Jonathan. I mean, we mentor a lot of young couples that, you know, come to dinner and ask us all kinds of things and there's not anything that we won't answer. So, and if we don't know the answer, we'll find it for you. But yeah. I just, you know, we, we need, we need a, the, your generation and the generations to follow. We need them to be informed and we need them to be, um, knowledgeable of how God wishes all of this to go and, and to fight the good fight for families. So, yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's awesome. And I'm grateful too, for you, for my mom, for other parents who realize, okay, this is the conversation we need to have more along the lines of theology of the body. Your body is good and sex is good in this context. And it's, and it's, um, perverted essentially outside of this context and this is why it's good or bad for you depending on the way that you look at it so those conversations are so important so thank you for that for sharing it with us with my listeners with the couples that you mentor and your own son and daughter-in-law um I think that's really cool too how she would feel comfortable enough with her in-laws to to have those conversations because I know that's not the case for most daughters-in-law no, it's, um, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I, um, I learned a long time ago. Um, like I said, life is not about me. It's not what I want. It's what God wants through me. And right. so, uh, that's gonna, you know, and if we look at sex as negative, if we look at it as bad, and then all of a sudden you're on your wedding night and how is it supposed to be good? Yeah. You know, how is it, how is it supposed, I mean, the beautiful thing about it is that you and your husband, get to learn about one another together. That's the gift. Mm-hmm. Now we don't need uh, the television to tell us how to have sex. We can figure it out on our own. We're pretty intelligent yes. people, but yeah. we don't need, you know, everybody's got this, this idea in their mind of, of what it's supposed to be. And it's like every couple has their own unique dance and, and that's the beauty of that couple. And so um, no, I, I really want to demystify it and, put it back in its sacred rank, you know, to be able to talk about it with respect and with uh, joy and without fear or stigma so that we can have those healthy conversations and uh, hopefully help prevent others from going astray. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it all, it all just goes so hand in hand too with, with being pro-life as Catholics. Like Mm. I think the more often we have these conversations and put, put sex in, in the light that it was meant to be in the way God created it, you know, that will make it all the easier to, to love the babies when they come in, in a prepared way. And, um, without, you know, I just think that when, you know, when a couple, um, does, have sex out of the marital context, like, then it is this huge, like, punishment, like, oh, shit, like, oh, you know, it's this horrible negative thing. And if we continue to have these conversations about sex as good and talk about, okay, sure, you you did this out of context, 
Um, but that does not negate the beauty of how God did intend it and that the baby's coming. So everything else is going to be pushed aside or, you know, forgiven and you move on. And now we have this new life to, to love and care for and um, bring about the graces regardless, because yeah, the choice, the choice you made um just it still brings beauty like all we all the struggles we go through all the the bad things exactly. that happen like, yeah. whatever so god will bring beauty from it no god wastes nothing he wastes absolutely. absolutely nothing he wastes he doesn't waste our sin he doesn't waste our celebration he doesn't waste the good he doesn't waste the bad he uses everything for our good and his glory so no matter how that moment comes about um god is still present definitely Oh, I love it. Um, so I have another another question for you. Sure. If you don't mind touching on from your perspective. I know there was a, a few weeks ago um, on Catholic Instagram, as it were, uh, sort of a hubbub of the contraceptive mentality, that phrase coming mm -hmm. into play when using natural family planning. Um, I know kind of what I think of it. I know that there's kind of a spectrum of where people land in that camp, but I just wanted to see what you have to say about that. Ah, uh, yes. Contraceptive mentality. Well, first of all, anything can be used with a contraceptive mentality. Okay, let's just, what does that mean, a contraceptive mentality? It means you're in control. Okay, right. you're deciding uh, my body, my choice. Uh, you're deciding uh, whatever it is, but outside of sex, if it's with your checkbook, it's my checkbook, not yours. It's, you know what I mean? It's, it's just an attitude of control. So can uh -huh. NFP, I know people will disagree with me and I totally respect that. But, um, as a 53 year old woman who's been in this game for a long time, can NFP be used with a contraceptive mentality? Absolutely. It can. Yes. Um, will people disagree with that? Um, of course they will. And that is their right, um, as to their education and their experience. Um, but I have seen and counseled with many, many couples who, you know, the reason for marriage is, uh, to be open to life. There needs to be a grave reason. What's a grave reason? Well, there's so many for every couple, that grave reason is different. It could be that you don't have insurance. Your husband's out of a job. You have medical issues between husband or wife. Um, you're not in a, a stable living situation. You're not, I mean, oh my gosh, that's just like, the list is long and varied as to what a grave situation is. Um, where the NFP kind of uh, contraceptive mentality under my understanding and what I have seen is um, when these couples get married and they're like, well, I don't want a baby right away because I want to travel and I want to, um, you know, boost my career or I want to do X, Y, and Z. And that is a want and not a need per se. And that's where sometimes it gets really, really tricky. And so um, because you want to travel, is that a grave reason to avoid having a baby? I, I can't answer that for you. But right. if I was making that decision, that's not a grave reason. So um, I think that, yes, you can use it with a contraceptive mentality. Um, will, like I said, will people agree with me? Absolutely not. And that's what you saw on Catholic Instagram. It was a yeah. huge freaking meltdown of the internet. Here's the thing. Are you using NFP? Great. Okay. That's between you and God. Right. In the end, it's between you and God. It's you, your husband, and the good Lord. You guys will decide 
what the situation is. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, the fact that you're act that you're using NFP is a beautiful and, and good thing. Um, can you use it with a contraceptive mentality? I believe you can. And I, I hear you completely. I think that does make perfect sense. The, I, Go ahead and disagree with me, Stephanie. No, Go ahead. It's, not even, it's not even to disagree with you. I actually do agree with you. I think there are selfish reasons possibly to be using NFP, like you said. And I know, you know, people came to us as we were either approaching marriage or newlywed, which, you know, we're close to four years. So we really haven't been in the game all that long still. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, a few months afterward, I <laughs> until I was showing with my theoretically uh, honeymoon baby, people were still saying, oh, you need to wait and enjoy your time with your husband. And I'm like, that one, too late. But two, <laughs> like, what does that how, even mean? <laughs> exactly. How does, that's what I want to know. Like, what, are you not enjoying your time with your husband, even though there's a baby coming? I, I don't yeah. understand that. And there's, like, too much, there's a lot of, of different um, struggles that come with like pregnancy so early on we're getting to know each other and I'm throwing up in front of my cute new husband like just (laughs) rip the band-aid of too much information right off you know Um, well you're married I mean and sex is messy oh yeah messy results you know and it's not always perfect and you know this comes from a woman who who used contraception so I know the mentality in which I used it and I know the destruction that it caused so um you know are they and when I say to use NFP with a contraceptive mentality. That's what I mean. When you say you use the word selfish reasons, right? When you're thinking of, is that a grave enough reason? But again, when I was watching the meltdown happen, all I kept thinking was, why are you going after each other on this? Yeah. What does it matter? Are you using NFP? Is it good with you and your husband? Are you good with God? Because you know what? Nobody else enters into that conversation. Yeah. And that's really all I was going to say. No, no disagreement here, but only that we have no idea what each individual marriage is looking at and their, and what their grave is. Absolutely. And that's my point. Yeah. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, I, I'm sure when this goes out into the world, people will be like, well, Mary, I disagree with you. And that, like I said, then disagree. That's beautiful. Um, but what I was watching was judgment. I wasn't yeah. watching people disagree. I was watching people throw judge bombs everywhere. And that's, you can't do that. You right. know, um, you know, take the plank from my own eye before I remove the splinter from yours. So I, I am always very careful on this. I, it comes down to, you should not be using artificial contraception. Number one, that's against right. the church, right? There should be no physical or hormonal barrier to you and your spouse, number one. Number two, you should be, all of us, all of us should be in a state of grace when making these conver- having these conversations and making these decisions. That's there an excellent point. Methods. I don't hear yeah. very many people mention. You got to be in a state of grace, right? Absolutely. And many people, many, many people, um, you know, they just, they're struggling. And so therefore maybe go to confession, maybe get spiritual direction, maybe get counseling, have that conversation. And thirdly, when it comes down to it, it's a decision between you, your husband and your God. Absolutely. End of story. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think, you know, the newlywed phase or traveling is, is not on paper grave. Now, I mean, come on it- in mom. I'll be done in just a second. <laughs> um, if it's, uh, 
yeah so like you said we're not in that conversation for each respective couple and that's that's where that caveat lies um, but I'm grateful I'm grateful for you to share that opinion because I agree there was a lot of unfortunate judgment and and um yeah but I and think see, I knew a lot of the people you. involved yeah <laughs> like, I know them personally and yeah. so as I was watching that I'm direct message them all like take a breath take a breath. Everybody needs to take a breath, (laughs) you know, because everybody's got their opinion on how it should be. And then everybody was pulling out the documents from Paul the sixth. And then everybody was, and it's like, guys, when it comes down to it, inform yourself, inform your spouse. And the decision is between you, your husband and God end of conversation. And, and, you know, all those documents are kind of vague to say the least. They're vague on purpose. Um, for that reason. So I think that I think I appreciate exactly what you had to share as far as that goes, because, yes, there can be selfish reasons. Uh, but that's not for us to decide because there are their nope. own selfish reasons. So, yeah, I, I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Um, You're so welcome. Very cool. So the last question I have for you, I asked my guests to um, share a misconception, mis- excuse me misconception that they have held it does not have to be related to natural family planning it can be silly or serious um but something that you have learned um they're like oh i misunderstood that for a while and uh came to to know the truth about oh okay so here i'll just i'll just fold it in the first time i ever heard the definition of love and lust i was you know i'd been taught that sex was to be, you know, your pleasure was part of sex, like what, how you felt and all of that. And then when I heard the definition between love and lust, I didn't realize that what sacrificial love was, you know, that it wasn't, um, always going to be about me. Mm-hmm. And I had been carrying that for a really long time. I made many, many decisions in my young married life based on that. You know, it was about his pleasure or it was about my pleasure, but, um, you know, he thought that way, I thought this way, and therefore that's where addiction comes from. That's where porn came from. It was all about seeking our own pleasure. It was also about avoiding big, hard things. And Uh so we avoided a lot of things. But yeah, that was like a big misconception for me, the difference between love and lust. And I know that sounds rather odd, but when you understand what love truly is, that it is a sacrifice, you know, you're willing to sacrifice whatever it is for the love of another person. Um, it makes all the difference in every single aspect of your life. Absolutely. I love that. And I think it ties into exactly what you're talking about toward the beginning of the, the restoration you saw out for using NFP, despite the fact that you were not feral. Um, if that self like, okay, we're going to abstain. I know no baby will come from our act right now, but we're going to abstain anyway, because I love your soul more than I want this pleasure right now. Amen. Yep. That's it right there. So awesome. I I actually have goosebumps right now. (laughs) An eternal perspective. That's what we have to keep. Always. It's beautiful. So beautiful. Mary, I'm so, so grateful for you again, for your truth bombs, for your wisdom. Um, I continue to learn so much from you and I hope that my listeners do as well. Um, If there's not anything else you'd like to add, we just, just let us know where we can find you. Absolutely. You can find me on Instagram at Mary Lenneberg, M-A-R-Y-L-E-N-A-B-U-R-G. Or I have MaryLenneberg.com is my website. Um, Facebook, everything's under my name. So 
come in and join the fun. Perfect. And I'll have a link to that on my show notes as well. Mary, again, thank you. I'm so grateful. I feel like the Holy Spirit had a lot to share through your words. Um, Thank you for your time and your wisdom. Thanks so much for having me, Stephanie. It's been a pleasure. Have a good one. You too. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Natural Misconceptions podcast. My name is Stephanie Mora, and don't forget, there's no such thing as TMI. Wife of 33 years, a mom to four souls, to. I'm the- going to interrupt you really yeah. quickly because the train is coming through. Oh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I know that the mic is picking it up. <gasps> that is awesome. Yeah, my, my adorable little house is like, I could throw a rock at the train right now if I wanted to.